What's happening, everybody? On today's show, Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs pulling a spy gate. We'll discuss. It sounds like Alabama DC Pete Golding isn't going anywhere. Josh Heupel praises Joe Milton stepping in as his quarterback. And our buddy Dan, Dan Matthews will join us to preview the semifinal games and give us some picks for the other SEC Bowl games this weekend. Locked on SEC starts now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it is where the game starts. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at lockedonsec.com. We got plenty to jump into. Let's do it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the Around the conference. And we start over at Georgia. And as Kirby Smart, Todd Munkin, we're talking with the media this week ahead of their national college football playoff semifinal in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And there were rumors about that uh, Georgia had set up spy cameras around Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, to spy on the Ohio State Buckeyes as they practice for their uh, playoff game against Georgia. Uh, Kirby Smart uh, clarifying their team did not go the route of the New England Patriots, saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, that's absolutely ludicrous. Uh, Talking with Atlanta General Constitution's Chip Towers. Now, Todd Munkin, he had some fun with his responses. He said, yeah, I hope we've been in their hotel. I hope we've been in their practices. I hope we're logged into their computers. Uh, Towers did note that, yes, a camera was found in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but it was not from the Georgia Bulldogs. There, w- there was a camera in the stadium uh, before the Buckeyes first practice at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. During a routine security sweep, it was found. The camera belonged to the stadium as a permanent fixture. It was not being uh, used at the time. Ohio State was informed about it. The camera was removed, and everybody moved on. Uh, the original rumor came from a writer by the name of Jeff Snook, who is a, an Ohio State graduate. So... Look, anything to start, uh, stir up a lot of mess and uh, create a story out of nothing. But Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs of Georgia, they don't need spy cameras in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So uh, they'll, they'll beat you straight up. But anyway, it was much ado about nothing, but a funny story nonetheless. Um, a not-so-funny story, Jalen Carter, big defensive lineman for the Georgia Bulldogs. He was criticized recently by uh, Todd McShay who uh, does the mock drafts for ESPN and whatnot, and uh, in one of his columns made a comment about uh, Jalen Carter having some character issues. So Jalen Carter, talking with the media this week, was asked about that. He said, uh, or, or Tom McShay said, with Carter, there are some character issues. Does he get along with everybody? What's he like to deal with in the locker room? Those are some of the issues that are concerning folks. Uh Jalen Carter responded and said, it really didn't affect me. I'm always a positive guy. I look at the positive side, never try to look at the negative. Try to stay away from all that. When that came out, I didn't really pay no no attention to it. I just talked to my team and told them, hey, let's keep going. Uh, So he said, it didn't take a minute to let go of it. Really let go of it as soon as I heard of it. And we just kept moving on. 
So I told my teammates, let's do it. Let's just go to the playoff and let's ball out. So, again, Jalen Carter not taking it to heart, but not great to put out there for a guy who could be considered, you know, top two, top three pick in this year's draft to have uh, things being said about him, about character concerns. But, look, Jalen Carter, what he does out there on the field, I'm sure uh, his play will speak for itself. Who cares about what scouts are saying behind closed doors about him? Uh, over at Alabama, Pete Golding has been Alabama's defense coordinator the last five seasons. And as of now, Pete Golding going to be back for his sixth season next year in Tuscaloosa. He was among the coaches of the Crimson Tide meeting with the media on Thursday ahead of their Sugar Bowl game against Kansas State. The last question he was asked was with if he expected to be back on Nick Saban's staff next year. He said, well, still under contract, so absolutely. Golding came to Alabama staff in 2018 as defense coordinator, inside linebackers coach. Been often criticized by Bama fans uh, during his press conference. Golding noted that he can improve as an assistant coach. He said, I try to be the best coach I can be, the best person I can be. I've gotten a coaching to affect young men, and you can do that whether you're a position coach, coordinator, or a head coach. I'm in no rush to be a head coach. I think there's a lot more to that. I love game planning. I love being in the room with our guys. Obviously, I got to do a better job of putting them in better positions, and I'm just worried about K-State and getting through this walkthrough, to be honest with you. So, Pete Golding sounds like he's not going anywhere. Didn't get as much reassurance from Bill O'Brien being back next year as OC, so we'll see what happens there. Over Tennessee, they're getting ready for their big bowl game tonight against Clemson in the Orange Bowl, and one of the storylines to follow is quarterback Joe Milton now leading the uh, Bulls in this bowl game and heading into next year. Josh Heupel talked about Milton, said he's got a very unique story. He said Joe's been great all season long. I think it's unique in today's atmosphere of college football. It's someone that talented and has had some success at the quarterback spot, ends up being your number two quarterback and sees value in it and value in helping us, uh, helping the offense and kind of being there mentally, emotionally. He said, I think in today's world for a young man to see that and be able to say, hey, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to compete every single day with Hendon Hooker or whoever, that young man might be able to uh, might be able to handle it the right way. Is a great story. He's prepared like he's going to be the starter all offseason, all training camp, all season long, and he's continued to grow. We're playing a great opponent this week, great defense. It's going to take all 11 to go out there and perform at a high level. But I'm excited to see Joe go compete and excited for this opportunity for him. So Joe Milton goes out there, performs well. We're going to see a lot of folks putting the uh, Tennessee Vols preseason high next year. It's going to carry a lot of momentum into the offseason. One guy who will play one more game in college before heads off into the pros, Emmanuel Forbes, Mississippi State defensive back, announced uh, earlier this month that he would be foregoing his senior season and declaring for the draft. But on Thursday, Mississippi State announced he will be playing in the ReliaQuest Bowl against Illinois on Monday. Forbes and the rest of Mississippi State. It's been a tumultuous year, obviously, with the passing of Mike Leach earlier this month. Uh, heavy heads have, uh, around that department, and uh, Zach Arnett taking over as the new head coach. But I'll get one more game out of Emmanuel Forbes. This season alone, he's got six interceptions, third in the nation, and uh, has had a fantastic career there in Mississippi State. So uh, good to see he'll play one more game. Over at Mizzou, quarterback Brady Cook not going to be with the Tigers for the start of spring or their spring practice. On Thursday, the team announced he underwent surgery on his right shoulder, will miss all of spring practice. He tore his labrum 
in the Week 2 loss at Kansas State, but continue to, to play through it the rest of the year. Racked up 2,700 yards, 14 touchdowns, also had almost 600 rushing yards, which is the most for a Mizzou quarterback since 2011. In his absence, Mizzou will be very short at that quarterback spot. They'll have their true freshman from this past year, Sam Horn. Uh, Georgia four-star recruit is the only scholarship quarterback with uh, redshirt freshman Tyler Macon transferring out to Alcorn State and senior Jack Abraham ran out of eligibility. So Eli Drinkwitz is going to be diving into that uh, transfer portal most likely. They do have four-star quarterback Jabari Johnson signed as part of the 2023 recruiting class, but uh, they're going to need some more bodies in there with Brady Cook out for the spring. Over at Ole Miss, Luke Altmaier announced uh, he'll be heading to Illinois uh, and join Brett Bielema's crew as Tommy DeVito's appeal for a final year of eligibility was denied, ending his collegiate career. So uh, Brett Bielema going to the transfer portal, getting Luke Altmaier out of Ole Miss. I saw Luke on the field pregame with Ole Miss the other night ahead of the Texas Bowl. Still, uh, still with the team there, but he is heading on up to Illinois where he'll presumably uh, compete for that starting job for the fight in Illini. Over at uh, Auburn, former Auburn wide receiver Marcus Davis back on the plans, Plains as their new wide receivers coach. He comes over from Georgia Southern. And a uh, quick note, Lane Kiffin uh, talking in his postgame at the Texas Bowl saying that uh, there will be some changes made this offseason. Said an 8-5 and five year at Ole Miss was unacceptable. And uh, he said, I'm not going to jump to conclusions because you lose a game, but you have Guys, been around here. We've won 10 games, made some changes, and we will look at everything in our program. Obviously, in recruiting, you have to go right into this thing because now we got to figure out all these portal guys, the guys that are in the portal, guys that we want to get out of the portal. So uh, staff and administration around the building and stuff, we will look at all of that stuff. So Lane Kiffin going to lay down the hammer. And one more note, wanted to throw this out there. Uh, TCU head coach Sonny Dykes talking with the media on Thursday about TCU's strength of schedule, and he took a shot at the SEC's non-conference games in November, uh, saying, we don't have the good fortune to play an out-of-conference game like the SEC does in Week 10 or 11. You're not going to catch the Citadel in Week 10. We caught Texas. Uh, TCU played its final 10 games of the regular season against the Big 12. Look, uh, Sonny Dykes, don't want to take anything away from you, but uh, down the stretch you played Baylor, who was sub-500 in the conference. You played 1-8 Iowa State. Uh, who was terrible in big play, Big 12 play. So, uh, look, Alabama played Austin P down the stretch. I'm sure Alabama would have taken, easily swapped out Austin P for Iowa State, and guess what? The results would have been very much the same. So, calm down with the uh, late-season non-conference game. But guess what? Those are going to be going away soon anyway. Uh, SEC is most likely to shift into a nine-game conference schedule, play three non-con. One of them will be tough. The other two will be a little bit easier. And uh, those will all be played probably at the front end of the schedule, and nobody will be playing these November uh, cupcake games pretty uh, much more uh, pretty soon. But Sonny Dykes, uh, chill out. No reason to uh, take shots at the SEC because if, you, if you're lucky enough to get past Michigan, you're going to face a pretty good SEC team most likely in the Georgia Bulldogs. And speaking of the Georgia Bulldogs, we're going to talk with our buddy Dan Matthews coming up next to preview uh, Georgia in the semifinal game, and uh, we'll get his thoughts on some of the other bowl games going around the SEC this weekend. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Uh, this episode is presented by our friends at the NHTSA. Look, you're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks, and a few become too many. And as the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. 
you think about calling for a ride, but you think, nah, I live nearby, you can make it home, it's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, it doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you're okay to dr- uh, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, plan it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Got plenty of options from Lyft to Uber and everything else. This message presented by our friends at the NHTSA. along here locked on sec and we're getting you guys set for all the games happening this weekend handful of sec teams in action of course uh, later today we'll have notre dame south carolina tonight we'll have tennessee clemson and then the saturday slate with the sugar bowl alabama and many of their starters playing against kansas state iowa and kentucky uh happening at the same time and of course The main course Saturday night, it is the lone SEC representative in the college football playoff. It is the Georgia Bulldogs, undefeated number one team in the country, taking on the 11-1 Ohio State Buckeyes. And join us now to talk a little bit about this game is our buddy Dan Matthews over there on the scene in Atlanta. He has been uh, covering the team throughout this week. Got to see them in person. Dan, welcome in. How are you, man? Hey, very well, Chris. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. Of course, Dan, you can uh, catch him on uh, 680 The Fan there in Atlanta and uh, executive producer for the Chuck Oliver Show. Uh, let me ask you this, Dan, because it's been a while since we've seen the, the Georgia Bulldogs, um, you know, in, in person and on the field, obviously the SEC championship game. But you've been around them. You got to take in a practice or two. Uh, what's the mindset of this team right now? How focused are they? And, uh, you know, is, is there any pressure in trying to repeat as champs or are they – kind of loose and going about their business. Yeah, I mean, at least their appearance, you know, they've shown you that this isn't too big of a stage for them. I mean, they've been through it as this incarnation, um, you know, except for true freshmen uh, twice now. Um, So, you know, they've got that experience. You know, Kirby Smart's been telling them, I'm sure, about what the experience is like and other returning coaches as well. Um, You know, I I think that uh, it is something that they're cognizant of, uh, the fact that, you know, they – as you said, last played 22 days ago. And uh, it's funny, you know, uh, Jamon uh, Dumas Pop Johnson uh, talked about that and said, you know, one of the lines that I guess the coaches are using to challenge them is, hey, you know, you find out if you've been 22 days off or not. Um, so I, I think that that's kind of the challenge to them all week during practice has been be as fresh as possible for this one and look as fresh as possible because the guys on the other side are going to look that way. Um in terms of the pressure, uh, they always seem to say the right things in, in terms of, you know, dealing with pressure or anything like that. I mean, Kirby Smart's got the famous line that Chase Elliott repeated a few years ago of uh, pressure is a per- privilege. So, uh, obviously, it's a rally cry in the program. But, um, you know, I think this, this is just a team that more than anything in situations like this, at least this season in the last couple of years, uh, they've shown up and, and been able to uh, answer the call uh, when they've been challenged. I got to think that it that it helps them, the familiarity of, you know, because let's face it, I mean, in recent years, teams have had to go out to Los Angeles, out to Arizona, all these different venues for playoff games, and them getting to 
stay right there at home in their backyard, a place where they've already played not one but two games this season. Now they're going to play a third game this season in the in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium there in Atlanta. I got to think that, you know, been there, done that. They know their surroundings in that building and, um, you know, kind of easier to go about your business when you've been there, done that. Yeah, you know, I mean, of course they're going to love it from the standpoint of this is Georgia's backyard. I mean, Atlanta is a University of Georgia city. Um, the surrounding areas in uh, the Atlanta metro are full of dog fans. And, of course, Athens is uh, with traffic about an hour and a half away, uh, less without. Uh, so, I mean, there's dogs all over the place here. Uh, so that's not going to be an issue for them. I will say this, though. I mean, you know, there's one thing we know about Ohio State and their fan base. They showed you even all the way back to the Fiesta Bowl when they played Miami for the national title that one year. They show up. They travel. And from everything we've heard, that's going to be the case. Uh, being around downtown Atlanta, I have not seen as many Buckeye fans just yet, but I would have to bet uh, that uh, over the next couple of days, uh, you know, with uh, today and tomorrow, uh, that's obviously going to uh, be changing. Uh, but, you know, Kirby was asked about playing in the same venue for the third straight time. And his answer was, you know, you know how Kirby is, Chris. I mean, you, you've talked with them, you've heard him uh, numerous times. You know, I'm sure you've probably played uh, cuts from uh, when he has uh, spoken to the media. He is the king of downplaying things. He's never going to play something up uh, other than something that could be an advantage to his team. And in this case right here, his line was probably besides knowing where the clock and the scoreboard are, there's really not much of an advantage. Okay, um, you know, maybe the reason that I just mentioned there, you're going to be the de facto home team for this one. I think that's a little bit of an advantage. But, uh, again, you know, he's, he's not uh, trying to, uh, you know, really give any advantages. They're also, too, not trying to inflate the egos, I think, uh, with uh, saying something like that. Anything interesting from the players that they had to say uh, in the media availability this week? Uh, you know, I, I will say this, Kenny McIntosh, I uh, thought it was pretty interesting uh, on uh, Wednesday uh, when he was talking about Stetson Bennett. He said he's almost kind of like Drew Brees, you know, where he's the undersized guy, but he's just got an era about him. And, and he said, you know, that really a thing that has rallied the team around him is there's always kind of been a yeah, but about Stetson Bennett. And it's been fun. And no, I'm not going to Doug Gottlieb route with this, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, that he deserved to be there for the Heisman Trophy. But for every single good thing he's done, you know, there's always kind of been a, well, he's got a really good defense or, well, he's got a really good offensive line. And, and, you know, the other part of it as well is he hasn't reacted to that. And that's what Kenny McIntosh said the guys have rallied around him with is, you know, they, they said if he can take criticism, we can too for him. Um, so I thought that that was pretty interesting. And then also, too, you know, just Stetson Bennett, I mean, you know, talking with the media and, and, and just talking about, you know, being able to do uh, things a certain way on the field and just, you know, kind of, um, you know, being almost uh, uh, Crash Davis, if you will, just don't think about things, just, just go out there and play. Uh, you know the old saying, uh, don't think, just, uh, you know, just do, it only hurts the ball club. Um, and that's kind of the mindset that he had. So uh, both sides keeping it uh, pretty, you know, close to the best this week. I mean, I know that I think it was Jack Sawyer, defensive end for Ohio State, said that, you know, they've got uh, everything they need to, to beat Georgia. I, I, I'm paraphrasing him, of course, but what's he supposed to say? I mean, I'm sure the message board lost their minds over that. And, of course, you know, 
any SEC fan base, um, you know, looking at a Big Ten school, looking down their nose at them, uh, thinks that they have no business saying something like that. But they're in the college football playoff. Um, they've been in this situation before, and they've succeeded in this situation before. So um, I, I don't think there is any issue with Ohio State feeling confident heading into this game. Uh, it's your job to beat them. Continue our conversation with our buddy Dan Matthews from 680 The Fan out in Atlanta. He was there for the Ohio State-Georgia college football semifinal at the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And, uh, Dan, let's get into a little bit with the game. Uh, last time we saw Georgia, they were dominating LSU, albeit in the second half of that SEC championship game. They did give up some chunk yardage and uh, big touchdown plays to LSU. You could argue they had the game all in hand, and so maybe they were taking their foot off the gas pedal, pulling some starters, whatever. But how much focus has there been uh, on Georgia, at least defensively, knowing what they're going to face from C.J. Stroud in this Ohio State passing game? Yeah, they never, you know, pass up an opportunity to look for improvements or, you know, to kind of point out their flaws in, in terms of uh, them not being complacent and, and feeling like uh, they have everything figured out. Um, you know, I think that kind of, in a way, it was a little bit like the SEC championship game the year before. The only difference is they scored 50 points and won the game. Uh, remember, too, coming out of that SEC championship game, there were some people who started to doubt the defense. Uh, is this defense really as legitimate as we've seen all season long? And they, as Kirby Smart said, recentered and were able to get back for this one. I asked uh, Christopher Smith, uh, senior safety, who came back for his senior season and was a unanimous All-American, about that. And he said flat out that the, the LSU game was the LSU game. This is a totally different challenge. Now, I think the only difference is, is yeah, LSU has, you know, Kayshawn Butte and, and, and Malik Neighbors and uh, Jare Jenkins and a really good group of receivers. Ohio State's probably got the best group of receivers they're going to see all season long. And, um, you know, I think that that's something else that probably has been drilled down by Glenn Schumann and by uh, Will Muschamp. I mean, you know, I love the, you know, things that both the uh, defensive coordinators for Georgia said. Uh, you know, Schumann won just talking about they've got to be able to find a way to get out of those one-on-one matchups against, you know, Harrison Jr. at Buka and uh, Julian Fleming and the crew that they have coming at them. And then, you know, about that same group of three right there, Muschamp said that they're almost like outside linebackers in terms of their size. They're all 6'2 plus and can run. Um, so, you know, that's something that, that's going to be a little bit of an issue for them. So I suppose the game plan for uh, Ryan Day is, is going to be to try to challenge them deep. And, you know, I think that um, – there's kind of got to be a little bit of a baseball approach in this one in um, a basketball one as well. I'm going to use analogies from both that we hear uh, the baseball one is you're going to give up home runs in this one. It's going to happen. It's just make sure you're giving up solo shots. So make sure you're giving up a deep ball and then you're having Noah Ruggles come out and kick a field goal for Ohio state. That's a win. If you do that, the basketball version of it is exactly that. Those guys are so good. It's almost kind of like, you know, the big three for the, the Golden State Warriors when they had it going, where NBA teams, when they face them, what was their thing that they would always say about defending them? They're going to get there. <laughs> I think that that's kind of the mindset that Georgia's defense has to have, that those guys are going to get there. You just have to make sure they don't get too much. 
Yeah, and at this point, it's, you know, look, it's survive in advance. If Georgia wins by one point, they'll take it and they'll move on and advance to the championship. I don't think they care how they win or how sexy it is. Uh, outside of that season opener against Notre Dame, uh, the, the win over Notre Dame for Ohio State, and we know that that was a week one game where they were trying to uh, establish themselves under Marcus Freeman. A lot of things didn't go their way, but... Outside of the Notre Dame win, week one, the two other teams that Ohio State beat this season that were ranked was Penn State and Michigan. Penn State scored 31 on them. Michigan, as we know, scored 45 on them. So the two offenses that, that you know, I guess the better offenses that they faced this year when they were tested um, scored a lot of points. What can we expect out of this Georgia offense? Because we know Stetson has been so good uh, poised throughout this season, hitting Brock Bowers, spreading it around to the uh, to the running backs. And then we know the, the three-headed running attack has been as balanced as it comes. Um, kind of more of the same we can expect from Georgia's offense this weekend? Yeah, I mean, you're going to continue to see what they do. I mean, because it's worked, and, and even with the injuries to Vlad McConkey, I mean, when we were out there for Wednesday's practice, we didn't see him. Um, not, not to mean that he's not going to be out there. I mean, it might have just been – don't uh, give any gamesmanship and, and, you know, make sure that, um, um, you know, we're not giving away any competitive advantages here. So I don't know what to take from that. Kirby, when we talked with him earlier in the week, seemed to believe that he was going to be available. At least he kind of had a little bit of a, um, uh, a chipper tone in his voice. Now, if that necessarily means that um, that's going to be the case, time will tell. I guess we'll find out tomorrow night. Uh, but, you know, for Georgia offensively, it's, it starts and and, and uh, goes off uh, how good they can get Brock Bowers in space and get him open because he's really just been the, the huge part of this offense to get things going, um, you know, because they haven't had A.D. Mitchell for pretty much the entire season. I mean, he's pretty much been in the same boat as, as Jackson Smith and Jigba was with uh, Ohio State, so... Uh, I do think that uh, probably, you know, him coming back absolutely opens things up for them. Kenny McIntosh, you talked about too, Chris, has been just unreal out of the backfield, also in the passing game as well. Um, and then, you know, I, I think that uh, you, you start to see other guys try to contribute as well. Uh, be that uh, the, the uh, true freshman Dylan Bell, uh, who at times has uh, showed up and, and made some plays for them. Uh, is Arian Smith able to finally be somebody that can – take the top off the defense and, and stretch the field for a deep ball. Um, he's somebody that seemingly has that playing ability, just hasn't necessarily been the healthiest. Um, and then, you know, Don Blaylock, uh, you know, has kind of uh, uh, bided his time and gotten his chance after a couple of torn ACLs. And, and I'm sure he probably would absolutely love to contribute and help uh, this team uh, reach that, uh, that ultimate goal of a back-to-back -back, uh, national championship. So, uh, you know, all of those things uh, are, are things that they're going to use at their disposal. And I think uh, in a lot of ways, they can kind of look at see what Michigan did against Ohio State where they were able to stretch the field. They were able to hit some of those deep balls. Um, you know, J.J. McCarthy hasn't been as prolific a passer as Stetson Bennett has been this season. So uh, I guess it just depends on what kind of adjustments Jim Knowles and his defensive coaching staff uh, for Ohio State can make coming into this one because uh, I know that they were humbled pretty quickly against Michigan. All right, Dan, uh, let's get into it before we get your prediction in this one. I want to get your uh, pr predictions for some of these other uh, SEC games happening later today and then tomorrow. So let's start with then, maybe this one's already going on, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, but uh, Notre Dame, South Carolina, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. 
who's your pick? Shane Beamer and the boys in Columbia, or does Notre Dame win this one? Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Notre Dame, you know, obviously with Drew Pine already announcing he's leaving, and obviously Sam Hartman can't play in this one, at least I would think he can't. Um, you know, South Carolina has a lot more continuity on their side of the ball, and even with a, a new offensive coordinator, which I don't know if Dal Loggins is calling plays. I would have to bet he's not, but regardless, uh, you got more personnel on, on their side. Um, you know, as far as I know, I guess Tyler Buckner is done for the year, uh, so I don't know who's going to play quarterback for Notre Dame. So on the virtue of not having a quarterback, that's a problem in college football. Uh, so I'm going to go uh, with uh, South Carolina in this one. Yeah, and Spencer Rattler's been lights out in his last two games. How about the nightcap tonight? It's the Tennessee Vols against Clemson. Good on good. We know it's uh, no no Hendon Hooker, but Joe Milton has played well in his absence. Uh, Tennessee over Clemson tonight? I actually need to go the other way. Um, I, you know, I think the true freshman really ignited something in this Clemson offense that uh, unfortunately under DJ Uyunglele just wasn't seen for a while. And, and I think he just has a demand of what they want to do offensively. I mean, let's also factor in with Tennessee. Uh, no uh, Jalen Hyatt and um, uh, no, uh, God, why is uh, the other uh, receiver uh, Cedric Tillman. right now? Cedric Tillman, thank you so much. A great assist there by Chris Gordy. <laughs> um, yeah, no Cedric Tillman uh, either. So, um, you know, two of the uh, the largest weapons that they've had all season long, that puts more pressure on Brew McCoy and, and the other guys left on the, uh, the offense. So uh, I, I think that Tennessee, obviously, it's been a great run this season, but I just think that there was a little bit of a rejuvenated spirit with Clemson uh, after that win uh, in the ACC championship game. So I like Dabo Sweet uh, guys uh, to be able to come out tonight, get the win, and uh, be able to finish the season with 12 wins. Saturday we get Alabama with Bryce Young and Will Anderson, albeit uh, going to be missing some other guys who have opted out, uh, you know, getting ready for the draft and other guys hitting the transfer portal. But you like Alabama to uh, get the win over Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl? Can I just say one thing, and I'm going to get Bama fans in my mentions. That's fine. Is there a more sanctimonious fan base on the planet than Alabama fans? <laughs> I mean, when it was announced that Will Anderson Jr. and Bryce Young were going to play in this game, everybody see, that's commitment to your team. That's doing the right way. They're going to fight two This is going to be a, a, a preseason NFL game for these guys. Nick Saban is not going to keep them out from minute one until minute in this game. I guarantee you, you're going to see their backup play. They'll get to do the equivalent of the college bowl game, take off the helmet, wave to the fans, and thank them for the, for the memories, everything. I mean, kind of like what we see at the end of Major League Baseball seasons, you know, when the manager's got a 40-man roster at his disposal, and, you know, just to allow the, the star first baseman to get the curtain call from the fans and, and sub out of the game, they, they get that. So, they're going to have that, but um, look, you know, the times that Alabama has been in bowl games that they did not want to be in, I mean, remember, it was the Citrus Bowl in 2010. I believe it was Michigan State that took it on the chin from them that day. Uh, I can't remember who it was in 2019, but they took it on the chin that day. Nick Saban uses situations like this as a teaching tool kind of to the guys that are going to be returning of who wants a job and who wants a job now. And with that, I think that you're going to see a very motivated and hungry football team come out there in Alabama 
So I like Alabama in this one. I, I just they've got a better team top to bottom than Kansas State does. Uh, but, of course, you know, Bama fans, look, turning over a new leaf in, in the new year, I am kidding for the most part. You are still sanctimonious. But, <laughs> of course, you know, like I said, it is nice that they're playing in the game. But, come on, they're going to play for like two series. Yeah, 2019, uh, the Alabama played Michigan and beat the hell out of them, 35 to 16. So there, there you go. I mean, it's, it's 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 those games. If it's the Citrus Bowl or if, if it's something that was a quote unquote down year for Alabama, that team pays a price. The other one going on at the same time Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern. It's Iowa, Kentucky. The over under 31, and Iowa's a slight favorite with all the opt outs. No Will Levis, no Chris Rodriguez, but uh, ugly, ugly game up in Nashville, right? Yeah, you know what? I'm actually going to go ahead and go a wrestling uh, analogy for this one. I, I think that you know we're going to have Kirk Ferentz kind of go wrestling heel on this one, and. Uh, they're going to have their best offensive performance of the season, which could probably be about 20 points, and they'll win this game. And he's going to come out uh, in the post-game press conference and basically steal share of the media with Z. That's why I'm not getting rid of my son. The future <laughs> is right around here with Cade McNamara and the crew. Iowa football offensively, get on board while you can. Um, but no, I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a Kentucky team that, uh, they're making the right move of bringing back Liam Cohen, and uh, the future is definitely bright. I'm a huge Devin Leary guy. I, I actually was was thinking that maybe there was a possibility that uh, you'd see Kirby Smart uh, in Georgia kind of uh, throw their hat in the ring for Devin Leary and 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 say, hey, why don't you come to Athens and and, and try to uh, try to compete for a national title uh, next season? But um, you know, he ends up at Kentucky and. We saw what Liam Cohen was able to do the first time. I mean, you know, I, I hate to do the light comparison uh, because it's always, you know, Shaq and Kobe light or anybody else. But uh, in this case right here, I mean, I think Liam Cohen kind of had a little bit of an effect on the Kentucky offense, much like Joe Brady and, and Steve Ensminger did uh, for LSU in that very special 2019 season. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of belief going into next year. Uh, I just think uh, with uh, the guys that aren't going to be on the field, uh, I think that's going to be too much to overcome. So uh, I, I like Iowa in this one. Yeah, it's it's one thing to get Will Levis from Penn State, who was a backup at Penn State, but to get the NC State starter in Devin Leary come over Kentucky, that's uh, that's quite a wrinkle. All right, uh, Ohio State, Georgia, I'll give you my prediction. You let me know what you think, Dan. I think it's a score fest, and I think this one close. I think Georgia covers the six and a half. I've got the Bulldogs winning 38-31. to 31. What say you? Yeah, that's about what I got, too. I think that this is, you know, going to be a lot like uh, the uh, Rose Bowl game that uh, Georgia was in with uh, Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma a few years ago. I think that it kind of has a little bit of that similar feeling where, you know, he had a chip on his shoulder. And, God, I broke my own rule. I hate when people say that. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, you know, there was, you know, the thought that, um, you know, Georgia was such an overwhelming favorite in that one, and Baker Mayfield loved being the, oh, everybody's counted me out kind of guy. But Ohio State's got that on their side. I, I think that this is going to be a very motivated team. Uh, this is a team that uh, we talked with uh, JT uh, Duamalo. Uh, he had talked about how he got up and spoke with the team and just said, hey, you know, this isn't who we've been, and this isn't who we should be. Uh, we've been, in relative terms, pretty disappointing this year. Um, and, you know, for a guy that – you know, even said that, you know, as a true, fresh, or a true sophomore, you don't get up and say a lot of things to the team. 
um, I think that kind of shows you where their heads are at of uh, losing to uh, Michigan the way that they did. Um, you know, I think that it's also, too, as well, I mean, it's kind of a similar feeling to last year where, remember, it was Alabama that just destroyed Georgia in that SEC championship team, and you're thinking to yourself, the morale has got to be completely down in Athens. And they were able to recenter, as Kirby Smart said, and they were able to win. Um, you know, for this one, I'm sure that Ohio State's saying, you know, probably inside their building, not outwardly, give us another shot at Michigan. We want another chance. We want a shot at redemption. So a way to do that is to get through Georgia. Um, you know, honestly, Gordy, I had been saying all week that I thought Georgia had this game. I am now going to say if they win, it's going to be a 60-minute battle where maybe it's a field goal at the end to win it because I do think Ohio State's going to fight them tooth and nail. So I was very confident about Georgia, but after talking with this Ohio State team, they're going to give them a game. It's going to be a toss-up, but I do think that Georgia wins. Yeah, one of my buddies who's picked a lot of games right throughout this season told me he was taking the Buckeyes. So, danger territory. Better show up ready and focus, Georgia. One more for you, Dan, before we let you go. A quick look ahead at 2023 Georgia, whether it's Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff, whoever's a quarterback, he's getting some help. What did you make of the news of Rara Thomas and, uh, and Dominic Lovett, two leading SEC receivers, one from Mississippi State, one from Mizzou, announcing they're going to be Georgia Bulldogs? Yeah, I mean, a huge pickup for that uh, receiver room, which Kirby Smart has talked about, uh, was very low on numbers uh, in terms of uh, just uh, depth that's capable of playing the position at a high level. It's kind of really interesting when you watch the trajectory of this Georgia program. When Kirby Smart got there, they were not as good on the offensive and defensive line as they needed to be. And he talked about that from day one of we've got to improve the depth and we've got to get larger up there. They did both of those things. It was also, too, a you know situation where you hadn't had guys drafted from those positions. They've done that. Tight end was a group that they did not have numbers, and they also didn't really have guys that factored on the field. They have since had that. The one group that has kind of eluded Kirby Smart, he's been able to get quarterbacks it's been receivers, and that's why I think Brian McClendon was brought back to Athens is because he's been able to recruit standout receivers in, in his past. And I guarantee you when he got there, Kirby Smart said, your job is to raise the profile of this group. And he was able to do it with this most recent recruiting class. They got some of the best uh, and fastest receivers in the country uh, in that group, uh, already signed and uh, going to be on campus in uh, December uh, or, uh, excuse me, uh, in uh, the spring for uh, for spring practice. And then also, too, um, like you mentioned, uh, getting uh, Dominic Lovett, uh, a guy with SEC experience, and also Ra Ra Thomas, the same deal, uh, guys that can immediately come in and contribute and can make huge plays for you. So um, that's huge. I mean, you hit it right on the head at the beginning. Um, I, I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do quarterback-wise. I would have to believe that one of the quarterbacks is going to hit the portal after this game. Um, you know, uh, there's people that have thought that, you know, maybe it would be Brock Vandegrift uh, or even Gunnar Stockton uh, that, that would hit the portal after this game. So I think that's going to happen if that does. I would have to believe that Kirby Smart will be active in trying to add uh, a, uh, a graduate transfer or somebody 
uh, in that room uh, in order to uh, be able to try to uh, help the competition, but also to uh, be able to help his numbers because, I mean, he was caught in 2019 with not really having a good option behind Jake Fromm, and it shows. And this year he's trying to make sure he avoids that mistake again. He is Dan Matthews, 680 The Fan, out there in Atlanta. Dan, thanks so much for the time, man. Really appreciate it. And uh, let's uh, let's hope we'll be talking about Georgia in the uh, national championship here very soon. Yeah, hopefully so, buddy. Always great. Take care. Have a happy new year. All right. Thanks a lot. That's Dan Matthews there of 680 The Fan. Appreciate him for uh, joining us. Thank you guys again for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Now go uh, make Locked On Sports Today your second listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked On SEC. We'll talk to you guys on Monday recapping all the action.